On tonight's episode, we start to look at our second franchise for 31 Days of Horror. As we go and grab our Captain James T. Kirk masks, we watched the first Halloween. Hello, welcome to the uh, Flixology Podcast, a podcast that looks at all forms of media, analyzes it, and dissects it, whether it be movies, television, music, and sometimes, if we feel fancy, literature. I'm your host, John, and joining me as always is, no, it's not Laurie Strode. It's my wife, April. April, how are you? You said that so downplaying me. You're like, no, unfortunately, it's not Laurie Strode. No, unfortunately, you're not Jamie Lee Curtis. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. How are you doing, by the way? We would be filthy rich. Oh, yeah, for real. I'm good. I'm really excited to start off this franchise. Like, I really enjoyed watching this movie. Oh, yeah. Me and John watch this movie every single year. Sometimes we watch it multiple times in a year we watch it on halloween night a lot yeah but like sometimes we even watch this as like background noise for just like a weeknight or a random like july or like (laughs) january like just because we're obsessed we're obsessed so we watched believe it or not 1978's halloween a independent slasher film um directed by the great john carpenter who not only directed it but did the music and co-written with his producer Deborah Hill, and the movie stars Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, P.J. Souls, and Nancy Keys. And basically, this movie is about Michael Myers, who was committed to a sanitarium for murdering his babysitting teenage sister on Halloween night when he was six years old. Fifteen years later, he escapes and returns to his hometown, where he stalks a female babysitter and her friends while under pursuit by his psychiatrist, Dr. Loomis. April, what is your history with this movie? Dude, like, okay, first of all, this movie came out in the 70s, but I wasn't even born. And I didn't actually discover this movie until after I had already seen, like, Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween H2O. So, whenever I went back and started watching this, I found, like, a new appreciation for, like, vintage, retro-type aesthetics. And I actually, like, really enjoyed it. And You're welcome. It kind of made me terrified <laughs> to babysit. Like, I'm just going to say it. This movie, like, terrified me because as a babysitter, like, it was terrifying. Um, yeah, no, this movie made me want to never babysit ever again. I mean, I mean, my history with this is pretty, pretty simple. I knew about the Rob Zombie Halloween. I knew about all the other Halloweens. I don't think I saw this till my sophomore year in high school. I want to say, because um, because uh, I'm literally going trying because when you think about this, like what we do with the show, you have to go back and like try to peel the layers of your when did the obsession start with you and Michael? <laughs> yeah. And I want to say I was a sophomore in high school because that was around the time Halloween Rob Zombie came out, and then Halloween Two Rob Zombie came out, and then I sort of like started collecting those movies around that time. Because these movies are just they're they're great. Yeah. Even the even the bad ones, they're good. Um, so I want to say like this is when I first watched this movie with a little help from Rob Zombie, which I really don't like saying that. <laughs> but hey, hey, I was a Rob Zombie girl. Like I, no, loved, no, 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 no. I loved it's his no, music it's no, and like it's no dis it's no diss on Rob Zombie. I, I just but it's not. I, it's not John Carpenter. It's not John Carpenter. I get what you're saying, but I mean, had to clarify there. Sure, if I mean he he's no director of the thing, Big Trouble in Little China. They live. 
um, Prince of Darkness. Like, it, it's John freaking Carpenter. But, um, I mean, everything about this movie, though, it just makes sense. Well, you like, know what? There's was... no crazy supernatural whatever. It's literally just a dude playing a game of cat and mouse with three girls who babysit. Well, I think the creepiest part to me was not only... Well, first of all, let me break this down. There were like three parts of this that were really scary. Yes, the babysitting part, because I was a babysitter. Two, um, the fact that Michael was a six-year-old kid whenever he killed his sister just out of nowhere. Yeah, no, that's... That really freaked me out. That scene alone, the very beginning, where you have no contacts, you're literally shown this house, you go into a POV shot, of Michael, and you don't know it's Michael. You think it's the killer. Yeah. And you see, like, the blade going into the girl or whatever. You don't see any... You don't see that much blood, which, cool. Because, honestly, I like... I like gore. I don't like excessive gore. And I like almost... If you're gonna be gory, cool. But if you're not, don't be gory. And this is one of those, it's not gory, it's great. It was a classy gore. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Um... And then when he goes outside and the, the mom rips the, ma- the mask off and you, you hear her go, Michael, the camera pa- zooms out and you see a six-year-old kid in a clown costume with a bloody pair, of, with a bloody knife, and he's just speechless. That is the most terrifying thing ever that I can think of at yeah. that time. Well, and, and then also, thirdly, the element of the psychiatry and stuff, like me being a psych major, um, you know, you I took an abnormal psych class and learned some more about, like, human behavior and, like, psychosis and, like, different yeah. types of, like, you know, personalities and all kinds of um, stuff like that. Like, it it's interesting from that angle of Michael being, like, locked up in an institution for what 20 years or whatever it just blows my mind because that stuff used to really scare me um and so it's just that angle of it was also very interesting to me because i was a psych major and when i discovered these movies and all like it just i don't know it kind of goes back to like sansa the lambs hannibal lecter like psych psychiatry like type fear of like being in an insane asylum or whatever that whole thing, um, it was interesting. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. I agree 100%. And um, I think the reason it was so interesting is because not only was I, like, studying part of it, but also um, human behavior in the mind and how far evil, like, the mind can go, that's what's, like, scary. That's what's well, the scary element behind it. Well, you know, I think... It. I think that's why Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis to Nick Castle as Michael Myers or in, as it's listed in the credits, The Shape. I think Donald Pleasance and Nick Castle, with all with all respect to Jamie Lee Curtis, I feel like they complement each other or their characters complement each other. Like, I, you can't have Michael without Loomis. Like, it right. just doesn't work. And Donald Pleasance, like, brings that fear when he's, like, going around town, like, telling people to, you know, get off the streets or everything. Or when he's talking to the cop about, like, the first time he met the kid and why he kept last, why he spent six years trying to help him, seven years trying to, like, keep him locked up. Oh, my God. Like, that meme whenever he's like, sir, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) 
Yeah, so he goes into this long rant about, like, his whole entire, like, social interactions with Michael. And then it shows, like, a whole Wendy's menu and it goes, uh, sir, this is a Wendy's. It was, like, dead serious. You guys gotta look up that meme. Uh, I have it saved to my... Just look up Dr. Lemus Halloween. I literally have it saved as a screenshot because I love that meme so much. Just when I need a laugh. Um, you can't have you can't have Michael without Loomis. You just can't. No. I mean, like, it puts the whole story oh, together. Oh, Michael. I'm afraid I'm going away. Oh, what? No, no, you can't come. All right, I'll come back. Well, you know, Dr. Loomis, he, like, puts... Like you just said, like it does. There's no supernatural element to this, but yeah. the craziest part is that you kind of get that like boogeyman experience. Well, that's well, but he's totally human, and I think that's what's scary well, too. Well, you see, that's what I really love because honestly, if you have Tommy and the, if you didn't have Tommy and the little girl um, that were being babysit and everything, yeah. Oh God, I can't think of her name. Like, um, the little girl. Is it Karen? Lindsay. 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 Yeah, oh Lindsay. Um, if you did not have him, them in this movie, and they were not calling him the boogeyman, there would be less, I, there wouldn't be that much tension, because I feel like the little kids kind of comp- compliment the adults. Like, especially with Lori. Because Tommy's asking, like, all the questions about the boogeyman and everything. And, you know, it eventually comes down to the last scene after... Loomis shoots Michael off a balcony to fall on the ground, and she's in hysterics, which I can't really blame the woman. And she's like, was that the boogeyman? And Loomis, with the last line of the movie, goes, as a matter of fact, it It was. was. Best lines ever. (laughs) ever. I love those two lines. And I love, like, I love how... The movie does focus on the relationship with Michael and Loomis, but it merely fo- focuses all of its attention on Lori. Because it does feel like a cat and mouse. Yeah. Well, and, and like, it, it feels like hide-and-seek to me, almost. Because, like, how she's going through the house, and she's hiding, the children are there, and she's babysitting, and, like, one of the biggest games that kids want to play around the house whenever there's you can't go outside or whatever is, is hide. freaking hide-and-seek. Well, and it just... It's the panic that you get of getting caught. Well, I love even how we get, like, the POV shot from Michael as an adult, like, doing all his Michael things. Yeah. But then we also get the audience stuff, too. So, like, for example, I think one of the best kills in this movie is one of the boyfriends uh, who wears, like, the ghost costume or whatever. That's with the girl who's very adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> Adventurous. I did, I did a shimmy when I said that. Um, <laughs> and he's like going downstairs to get a beer or whatever. And he turns around and Michael literally just pins him against the wall and lifts him with one hand and shoves a knife straight through his chest. And it's he just a, leaves him hanging there. It's a superhuman strength though. Like it gives it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. A boogeyman experience. And like, I don't know about you, man, but whenever I was a kid, the boogeyman was like very real to me. Like, very real. Like, I used to literally, like, you know how, like, I don't know if you had the same childhood I did, but, like, when I I grew up in a very small town, and, like, back then, you could go outside and you could play all day long, and as long as you got home, whenever it got dark, whenever the sun went down, you were fine. But 
you ever be like outside playing or whatever as a kid and you like don't realize that it's getting dark and all of a sudden it's dark so then you're yeah. trying to run home i remember like running home and feeling like the boogeyman was out to get me because i was so scared of the dark like literally so scared of the dark well i feel like the boogeyman has like is a like he michael to me is like the human boogeyman yeah like in horror icon form like he really is well that's where i was gonna go with i just was trying to find the words with it um that's what it feels like with michael he does feel like the movie's version of the boogeyman sure there are movies that center around the idea or the concept of the boogeyman there's even a movie called the boogeyman and it's terrible um <laughs> but with michael it um it just it just feels right well, you, you know, know, I love how he stares at you. Like, he'll stand still and he'll stare. Yeah. That or, that really creeps me out. And he does out. the head turn yeah. a little. Oh, man. Like, have you ever went to, like, a haunted house, man, and they just, like, stare at you, and then they turn their head a little bit, and you're like, ah, it moved. Like, I literally, like, freak out. Do you do it like that? Ah, it moved. I, okay, literally, when I go to horror houses, I literally, like, scream. <laughs> Like scream! I bet you. Go, I scream and run. I bet you go in the room with like your fists up, going like, "I'm not gonna lie to y'all. If y'all jump out at me, I'm gonna start punching." I literally what usually? <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't do that. I usually like. Tell me you wouldn't do that. I on usually air. just grab hold of somebody and make my way through. But as soon as I get to the exit, I run. Like I have been chased in haunted houses before. I'm terrified. Like I used to go to them all the time. Like. Haunted woods, haunted houses, haunted trails. They're so fun in the South. But, oh, like this last one I went to, I got chased by dude in a chainsaw, like all the way out the exit into the parking lot. And it was just to put on a show for like other people because I was freaking out. But I was in for real, like panic mode. And he was still chasing me. But I digress. I am really trying hard not to laugh. <laughs> we, we should definitely go to a haunted house again. Um, no. <laughs> well, I don't know. I would love to see you at a haunted house. I bet you would shrill. No, I would do the next best thing. Curl up and die? No, I would do the third next best thing. <laughs> what? I wouldn't go in. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I know. Um, But I, I just see you like as the person putting their fists up in the air. But going back to what you said about you growing up into a small town, that really fits this idea of this town itself. Yeah. Like with its characters, the sheriff, the sheriff's daughter, the adventurous woman and like the teenage babysitting you know like yeah. i mean I, in well, small towns like i don't know if it's like what it's like in the city whatever i didn't have that experience but like in small towns you literally have like a 13 year old or 15 year old kid babysitting small children well so you're like both kids watching yeah. <laughs> at home alone and it's well, terrifying well that was another thing too like their houses were literally right next door to each other yeah um that was like an element of the movie that like really freaked me well, out. I, mean, I even me. like how it really does feel like a rural town. Like they filmed this movie in sunny Pasadena, California. And I'm supposed to believe that's in Haddonfield, Illinois. I feel that way with this yeah. movie. Like it's no. It felt very Midwest whatever. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they probably had to like incorporate some stuff and everything. And then I was talking with you about this before we went on the air. How the original idea for the mask came up. Oh, yeah. So, like, I didn't even know that. So, yeah. So, it was a really small budget. This movie was made between $250,000 and $300,000. Really? And they were trying to figure out what to do with the mask. So, some guy just went down to 
his local um, costume store, grabbed a James T. Kirk mask, turned it inside out, and just spray painted it white. That's crazy. And that is the story of how um, the Michael Myers mask was born. It's insane how, like, the most genius ideas and, like, the best, like, some of the best movies out there are just, like, so low budget, and then they just really, like, take off. Well, you know how Freddy Krueger was born? How? Wes Craven had a bad dream. (laughs) I'm serious. I feel like that should be, like, a pun and a joke, but it's, (laughs) but you're actually being truthful. I'm being honestly true. Because you know, New Nightmare and all that. Yeah, I know. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, I think we can go ahead and start wrapping this up. Do you want to say one last thing before if we would recommend this movie? Um, I feel like I'm good. Like, I just want yeah. to say, like, I would definitely recommend this movie, oh. even as a rewatch. Um, even if you've seen it several times before, rewatch it again. Because, like, not only do you have the appreciation for the retro vintage, like, feels... Um, but, and, like, the fall fills and, like, you know, Halloween, all that good stuff, boogeyman vibes all around, but it's just a classic, and, like, the more you watch it, the better it gets, I swear. Yeah, no, I'm gonna recommend this movie. It's just so much fun. I mean, this movie is, this movie is well known. It's not just, like, some cheap little independent horror thing. There's over ten, there's, I know, I'm just, I don't know the full number off the top of my head. I mean, there's so many sequels, so many reboots. The, the timeline keeps changing and everything. I mean, we even have three, which we're going to talk about. That doesn't even have Michael in it at all. And I'll go into more about that when we get there. But, like, this movie is on the AFI 100 Years 100 Thrills list. It's number 68. By the way, you were asking me what was number five, oh, no, number one before we were getting into this. I actually have the top ten. Oh, what's the top ten? So, number 10 is Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Indiana Jones thing? Yes. What? Like, the final scene when they open up the, um, the Ark. Okay. I mean, still, like, I just... I wouldn't even put these in the same category, Number okay. Number 9, Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Number 8, The French Connection. Which I actually really like that movie. I've never seen that movie. Gene Hackman, um, Crooked Cop, that kind of stuff. Okay. The Birds, number seven. Definitely. Number six, The uh, Alien. Okay. Number five, your favorite movie, Silence of the Lambs. Yes, baby! But it got beat by North by Northwest. That's wrong. Alfred Hitchcock. I don't care. It's wrong. Number three, The Exorcist. Okay, yeah. Number two, Jaws. What? And number one, Psycho. I mean, I totally agree with Psycho all day long, but Jaws beat Silence of the Lambs? I mean, no way. I mean, I have to agree with it. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. I love Anthony Hopkins. I love Hannibal Lecter, but I gotta agree with Jaws. He's the he's the shark OG, baby. Look. He's Anthony a shark. Anthony Hopkins. Mm. That wasn't a, oh my god, <laughs> sexy, by the way. That was just like. No, just, I, I just somehow you. just came out of nowhere. <laughs> It was like Randy Orton with an RKO. It literally came out of nowhere. Oh, my God, he's on the ropes. My God, it's Michael, and he's about to hit his clothesline from hell. (laughs) I would love to see Michael Myers in a wrestling match. (laughs) Dude, why is that not a thing? Oh, it is. You just got to go on YouTube because a lot of people do, like, the create a wrestler on video games. Oh, really? 
Someone literally created like Freddy, Jason, Michael, whatever, and put them in a battle royale. That would be great. Yeah, but it'd be better if it was the actual characters. True. Like actual license. Like Dead by Daylight, because, I mean, you and I play that game. Michael's in the game. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to play as Michael. It's fun to fight Laurie Strode in that game. But yeah, I mean, I think I already mentioned, but this movie, I'm going to give a full, full blown recommend. I love this movie. I love everything about this movie. I love Michael. I love him just as much as I love Ghostface. And that's, that's saying a lot for me because with Ghostface, it's very meta because it's with other movies. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just some random killer going, going around just to do whatever with Michael. It's like he's driven by evil and hate and anger to go around and kill people. But you also have Loomis, you have Jamie Lee Curtis, and her first film debut, which I still can't believe, as Laurie Strode, you have... She did become her mother. Yeah, Janet Lee, uh, who was the original girl from... Speaking of Psycho, the girl in the shower from Psycho. But every... Speaking of Psycho, do you know how they got her to scream like that? Yes, actually, I do, but... They I'm, threw cold water on her. No, it was actually more than that. What'd they do? So, before we sign off, I'll tell this quick story. Hitchcock was trying to get her to scream, like, at a perfect level. So he just grabbed the rubber knife and was just like, I want more scream, more power! And he just started to, like, starting to stab the woman himself. Nah. Yeah. Like, he was just frustrated, plus there was a lot of, like... Supposedly he was cheating on his wife was cheating on him and he was trying to find that perfect Hollywood blonde that he was so obsessed with at the time. Which he did find it with the main character from the birds after that. Good for him. No, not really. Crazy, crazy old Hitchcock. <laughs> oh Al I love Alfred Hitchcock. I love I this too. movie. But he is a crazy old he man. He is a crazy old man, but I love him. <laughs> Uh, but that is our review of Halloween. As always, if you would like to get in touch with us, please send us an email at flixologypodcast at gmail.com. If you or just hit us up on Instagram at flixologypodcast. And always, please like, please subscribe, and please write a review and share share the word about our show. Now, April, as I said, we are in the last stretch of our 31 Days of Horror with this franchise. So the tagline of this movie is The Night He Came Home. We will continue with more of the night he came home. And I swear to you, that is the second tagline on the poster for Halloween 2. That is the movie we are going to be watching. Yeah, because it literally picks right up where they left off. Yeah, but they could have been more creative. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's like the night he came home. Again. <laughs> no, no. It's like it's like when they were sitting around trying to come up with a pitch for Hot, Hot Pockets. All right. All right, Dave. You get great on that tagline. I need some else. Uh, more of the night he came home. That's brilliant, Dave. Or Bill. I don't know your name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but please join us as we continue our look at the Halloween series by looking at Halloween 2 from 1981. And as always, this is the Flixology Podcast. I'm your host, John. And April. Take it easy.